Western Maryland during 1730 was considered a wilderness with just a few inhabitants. But by 1740, several roads were present, as well as many families that were living in this area. With the arrival of the people and the routes, settlements would grow and change the frontier landscape forever. Hi, this is your friend Carol with another episode on Piedmont Trails. Today we will journey back 290 years and discuss the colonial roads of Western Maryland. I will also mention several early surnames and details about these routes that were available to all of the families during the 1730 decade. I want to personally thank you for joining me today, and let's get started with episode number 28, The Colonial Roads of Western Maryland, right after this short break. For four years, Piedmont Trails has been sharing the past with all of you. We've used several formats to achieve this goal handwritten articles, podcast episodes, online video presentations, in-person speaking engagements, and so much more. This has been an amazing experience, and we are looking forward to the future. In September of this year, Piedmont Trail celebrated their fourth birthday in sharing the past with all of you. Piedmont Trails isn't just about sharing the journey with you. It is also experiencing the past together. We have several projects going on such as the Great Wagon Road Project, the Colonial Indentured Servants Project, and the Yakin Valley Railroad Project. And we're already working on new projects for the immediate future. To find out more about what Piedmont Trails is all about, I encourage each of you to visit our website. It's located at PiedmontTrails.com. You can join the journey with us by subscribing free to the website. Get the latest news, events, and updates. And join the journey with us. We're glad to have you. But what's most important is enjoying your journey to the past as you make new discoveries. So now let's get back to today's show. Okay, welcome back everyone. And we are recording the, today's episode live from the attic of Piedmont Trails. The attic is where all of the research comes together for our various projects and articles and online presentations. And today we are recording live from the attic of Piedmont Trails for today's show. Now, when I think of Maryland and its history, the first thing that comes to my mind are the availability of records and information. Each state and county holds certain guidelines for their historic records, and Maryland is definitely no exception to this rule. So I urge each of you to, when you're further investigating your ancestors' records or historical records, that you look into how the state of Maryland and the counties of Maryland store their records and exactly what is available to the general public today. Uh, Most of the material that I'm going to be sharing with you today comes from my years of personal research and personal notes. 
I will share resources with you to hopefully encourage you to research further into the area. But some of the family surnames that I mentioned today are from my own personal files and notes. And I have a great amount more data and information on these families. And if you're interested to have more info on particular surnames that I mentioned during today's show, you can visit PiedmontTrails.com, click on the contact tab on the website and submit a message or email to me. And then I will get back to you with that information. The time period that I'm going to be mainly focusing on today begins in 1730. And we're going to mainly discuss the 1730 decade up to 1740. And there are several reasons why I want to share this information with you. This is the onset of the Great Migration period where many families are now beginning to travel from the middle colonies such as Pennsylvania, New York, New Jersey, and Delaware, and they're traveling south into Maryland, Virginia, and then farther south to the Carolinas and even Georgia. I will mention several roads during the show, but there are three main roads in western Maryland that were very popular for this particular time period. And this time period, again, is 1730 to 1740. How many of you know what these three main roads are? They are the Great Wagon Road, the Allegheny Road, and the Conica Cheek Road. Each of these routes existed during the year 1730. How many of you were aware of this? The very earliest of land patents that were issued to people in the western sections of Maryland, which is present-day Washington County today, these early patents, the people never actually lived on the lands. Many of them never saw their property at all, and they eventually ended up either selling them or they would wheel them to their sons or daughters during the next generation. Many of the first earliest traveling parties or groups that traveled in this area during this time period used one of these three roads. The Allegheny Road was the route leading west, while the Great Wagon Road and the Conica Cheek Road led south and southwest. So what name holds the first Western Maryland land patent? that was legally recorded in the western lands of colonial Maryland. That would be a Mr. William Parks, whose survey was completed in 1731 on the west side of the Shenandoah Mountain near a road. Now, I want to clarify here that there were many families that were living west of South Mountain during this particular time period. And I have documentation and research notes that prove these families lived on these lands, but they did not own the property. They were known as land squatters. Mr. William Parks is the first Western Maryland land patent to be legally registered during the year 1731. Parks was living in Annapolis which was a very active community during this time period. 
he actually owned and operated the Maryland Gazette. And he was also known as the postmaster in this area. His shop was a major stop for the stagecoach during this time period. I believe Mr. Parks purchased his property as a personal investment due to his knowledge of the area and the current news of the day. Now, Mr. Parks' patent dates to April 9th of 1731, and I will say there are several online references that uh, specify Mr. Parks' land patent dates to 1732, 1733. Make no mistake, his land patent dates to April 9th of 1731. Mr. Parks would have been considered as an upper-class gentleman. Remember your social status during the colonial period. He's known as an upper-class gentleman who has, um, who was really trusted. He was a trusted and respected individual. Like I said, he was postmaster. He's respected by the British leaders that are currently residing in Maryland. This is a prime example of the 1730 decade pertaining to land patents. It would not be until around 1740 that groups of families apply for land warrants and then it actually settled the area. But actually, as we go through the show, you'll see around 1738, 1739, there were large groups of families arriving uh, to the area and actually living on the lands. So, Think about this for a minute. I want you to experience what, why Mr. Parks was um, so inclined to go to the western edges of the frontier of Maryland and purchase this property. What do you think provoked him to do this? Personally, I think it was financial gain and prosperity. I think it's safe to say that, judging by his trade, he was a well-known printer. And being that he was postmaster, and also being a major stopping point for the stagecoach, it's obvious that Mr. Parks had access to inside valuable information concerning Western Maryland. Parks is not one of my personal ancestors, but when you dig deep for the records, many of the questions can be answered to explain certain actions that were taken by your ancestor. And I'm using Parks as a prime example for this. So what road was located near Parks' property? Well, after much research um, and digging into the ex exact measurements of Parks' track, it was the Great Wagon Road. And this proves the road's existence prior to the 1744 Treaty of Lancaster. So this same route was used by Hoist Height and his party just a few years later. It was also used by Van Meter and his party. Both were responsible for early settlements in midsections of Virginia just a few years later. The road led to the Pack Horse Ford that crossed the Potomac River. Now you are probably already thinking, well, how did the wagons cross the Potomac River without a ferry? Well, it was possible at the Pack Horse Ford. But let me say this, it was possible, but it depends on the, the time of the year. 
the current weather situations because at times it didn't matter where you crossed at, everyone got wet. Okay. But in places at the Pack Horse Ford, the water rises only to about a foot in depth. And then as you cross, there are sections that measure up to approximately four feet. Any depth over four feet would be highly discouraged as the wagons would be more prone to tilt and would be lost in the, in the current. If your ancestors traveled into Virginia from Maryland during this time period, they crossed the Potomac at the Pack Horse Ford in present-day Washington County, Maryland, and they traveled the Great Wagon Road. A map dating to 1721 by Philemon Lloyd. He doesn't note on his map any ferries, any roads, or any fords along the Potomac River. And again, this is during 1721. Another map by Winslow, dated 1736, shows the location of Samuel Taylor's property before his ferry was in operation. And this particular map notes the Pack Horse Ford, and it also notes the wagon road to Philadelphia. This Winslow map dating to 1736 proves the growth of the area between 1721 and 1736. This is a steady growth that William Parks had knowledge of in 1731. This is why he, it was important for him to make his personal investment in the western lands of colonial Maryland. The road known as Braddock's Road, circa 1755, was already a road in every definition for over 20 years. Portions of the route was known as the Allegheny Road, and it traveled west to Harper's Ferry location. Now, several forts are documented, recorded, and preserved all throughout this landscape in this area, beginning at the mouth of the Conococheek Creek. Wallamot Fort is just one of these. But let me assure you that the routes that Braddock used clearly defined the roads for future use in this area. The Allegheny Road was a clear and defined road connecting the most western sections of Maryland to the eastern seashore. It is clear from records that this road was used as a clear boundary for the northern lines into the colony of Maryland. There were boundary disputes with each and every colony. But when you dig and research the history between the boundary disputes between Maryland and Pennsylvania, you're going to find a lot of information. And the Allegheny Road was part of the attempts by Maryland to secure the boundary line of that colony. By 1743, um, Colmore Bean Survey describes the road as the main road enforcing the importance and identification of the Allegheny Road and the boundaries of Maryland. 
The references in legal documents naming the road predate the establishment of Fort Cumberland. And I'm going to repeat that. The references in the legal documents naming the road of Allegheny Road predate the establishment of Fort Cumberland. According to my own personal research, the Allegheny Road was a clear destination to the Allegheny Mountains. Everyone knew where it led. Everyone knew the destination of the Allegheny Road. It led west to the Allegheny Mountains. The Conococheek Creek was also an early water route. And not I am finding that very few people are even aware of this. But the Conococheek Creek was known as a major water route traveling south for approximately eight miles, maybe a little more, to the Potomac River. Many people used this waterway by paddling canoes and even tying ropes to the canoes and pulling the actual canoes with them in the water while traveling personally along the banks. This was used done often. It was an easy way to get through this area with a large cargo. And it was especially easily traveling compared to the conditions of the roads, especially during the mid to late 1720s decade. The roads were horrible. But the Conococheek Road followed the course of the major waterway, heading in a north and a south direction. Now, before I get into the detailed routes of these three main roads, I want to mention some surnames of this time period. And I want to also mention a few alternate routes, which I call shootouts or cutaways, that um, they were diverted away from these three main roads. Other roads during the 1730 decade are Israel Friends Road, Sharpsburg to Great March Road, Stull's Mill Road, Anderson's Ford Road, Cartledge or Williams Ferry Road, and Cumberland Valley Road. The first 10 patents west of South Mountain are, of course, we mentioned William Parks of 1731. His track was entitled Parks Hall. Samuel Chu, dated 1734, for Chu's Farm. Richard Sprague of 1734 for Pyle's Delight. Major Edward Sprague, 1734 for Sprague's Delight. Richard Sprague again in 1734 for Pyle Grove. George and Arthur Nelson in 1734 for Nelson's Folly. Thomas Swearingen in 1734 for Failfoot. George Moore for 1734 for Snowden's Friendship. Lord Baltimore in 1736 for the Conococheek Manor. And John Beale and George Gordon in 1736 for the track entitled Partnership. The Samuel Chu track eventually became the Thomas Cresset track, which is very well known today. Um, but Thomas Cresset became the owner of this particular track 1745, 10 years almost to the date of when Samuel Chu first acquired the property. 
Major Edward Sprigg, he was an officer in the Maryland militia. He was also a court judge, and he was also a member of the Maryland legislature. He was an upper-class gentleman. Arthur Nelson owned a great amount of property in the Rock Creek area. He owned thousands of acres of land. Charles Calvert, which is, of course, Lord Baltimore, owned tens of thousands of land in this area. These first 10 land patents west of South Mountain speak loud and clear about the roads during the 1730s. Identifying these original tracks also identifies the roads. Why? Roads were a must. These older roads were needed in order to gain access to the property. You'll also find changes in the roads through the years, and uh, great examples of these are in later maps, such as the Samuel Lewis map that dates to 1804. I also want to stop here just for a second and speak a little bit about Anderson's Ford Road. I want to clarify that this Ford uh, Road led to Anderson's Ford, and this waterway crossing clearly existed prior to 1734, and this is in accordance to my personal research. Other surnames with land patents in present-day Washington County during the 1730 decade? Let's skip over to 1739, and we'll name a few of these surnames who are um, filed for land warrants in 1739 in Western Colonial Lands of Maryland in present-day Washington County. And they are John George Arlen near Ashton Swamp, James Bedford, east side of the Conococheek, James Beresford near Beaver Creek, Elizabeth Blair near Antietam Creek, Andrew Boyd near Honey Hill and Wagon Road. Again, all of these date from 1739. John Boyd, near the Potomac River. Charles Cheney, near Antietam Creek. Jeremiah Cheney, near White Oak Bottom. Captain John Charlton, near Antietam. Nicholas Christ, near Antietam. Edward Dawson, near Hickman's Meadow. Redmond Fallens, near Black Oak Bottom. John Hawthorne, near the Wagon Road, Potomac River, and Stoll's Mill. John Kashner, near Rocky Springs. Charles Lucas, near the Potomac. Joseph Metcalfe, near Wagon Road. Edward Nicholas, near Rattlesnake Spring. Peter Wrench, near Antietam. John Rudder, near Antietam. Evan Shelby, near Harris Wagon Road. Isaac Simmons, near Antietam. John Smith, near Honey Hill and Wagon Road. James Spencer, near Beaver Creek. And George Stewart, near Antietam. Now let me say this, there are over, there are over 120 land patents for present-day Washington County listed for the year 1739. Over 120. I've only mentioned um, 24, I think, here, 24 or 25 here today. One of these men was Evan Shelby, who acquired a great amount of land in this area. And one of his tracks 
from 1739 extended two poles over across the Allegheny Road in 1739. Now for the routes of these roads. I'm going to begin with the Conococheek Road. Um, it will begin at the Little Antietam Creek um, near Mount Hebron Road. And these are brief descriptions of the roads. They're not exact details of how the road traveled. If you'd like more information about the detailed route of these roads, you can contact uh, me with through PiedmontTrails.com. But from Mount Hebron Road, travel to Keatesville and Route 34. You will come to the Heights Bridge and then travel onward to Bakersville Road. Soon you will come into the Great Marsh. The Great Marsh is a um, huge landmark in western Maryland, and you will find this referenced on many early land deeds and grants and, pa and patents. Then you'll come to Route 63. At this point, you are near Lower Baltimore's land track, and you'll keep going to Route 68 at near Williamsport, and then head to the River Bottom Park. The Allegheny Road was the most western road in all of the British colonies during the 1730 decade. <coughs> Excuse me. You'll begin at Camps Mill Road and cross the Conococheek Creek at this point. Head out to Route 68 and Big Pool Road. Keep traveling to Fort Frederick. This is an approximate route so that you can follow along on the map. Fort Frederick, and then the Licking, Licking Creek Bridge. Travel on to Hancock and Fort Tonelaway and continue to Woodmont Road and Polly Pond. Continue going to Ziegler Road and the High Germany Road. Head to 15 Mile Creek and Green Ridge and continue onward to Town Creek and then take Route 51 to Cumberland. For the Great Wagon Road, this area begins near Sarasville along Route 26. You'll head towards Frederick, then travel along the Old National Pike into Middleton. The road crossed um, Conatuck Creek near the present-day bridge. Travel on to South Mountain. Here the road was filled with um, countless twists and turns um, through South Mountain. This was to give a gradual slope to the heavy wagons that were traveling as time went by. Uh, you should be on the Reno Monument Road at this point, and if you look left, the original roadbed can still be seen in several portions of this area. Travel onward to Fellfoot Bridge. The road traveled through this area to Mount Hebron Road. After several turns, the route continues on Route 34 heading into Sharpsburg. Continue until you reach the Canal Road near the railroad tracks, and about a half mile from the tracks from this point is the famous Pack Horse Ford across the Potomac River. As you can see, the history of these roads date 290 years and before. What a vast amount of information that is stored in this western section of Maryland during the colonial period. I highly encourage you to study the maps that I've mentioned and research the early land patents. I will have more information concerning this area on a future show. 
But if you have questions about the surnames that I mentioned today, visit PiedmontTrails.com and simply submit your request by clicking on the contact page. Until next time, enjoy your journey to the past, and thank you so much for joining me today, and God bless.